Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Happily Ever Random. I am Ginny, and I am here with my awesome brother, Troy. Hello. And we are back for a new episode, and we do have our wands with us, so if you hear us tapping away, we apologize. <laughs> um, so wands might have given it away, along with, <laughs> Sorry <about that. laughs> along with the end of the last episode, but we're jumping back in and continuing the... I guess sporadic series uh, we have of Harry Potter. Woo-hoo. We're going into the second um, book and movie, which is going to be Chamber of Secrets. Yes, and it is my sorry to say this, but my least favorite book and movie <laughs> of the series. But I still love it, anyways. So I mean, um, it's Harry Potter. You gotta love well, all. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. And I did come prepared. I have my Hogwarts sweater on. I have my Slytherin necklace, and my new phone case has the Deathly Hallow symbols all over it, so I came prepared tonight. I also, I tried <laughs> to put David in a Harry Potter shirt, what I thought it was when I was putting it on, but it's not. It's actually something, I, it looked like the emblem, but I think his Harry Potter shirt's too small now because he's getting so Aww. big. I know. I need to buy him new ones then. I know. That's so sad. Okay. Well, his tea, I will buy him some new Harry Potter clothes. <laughs> but as always guys disclaimer uh adult language if there is any on this episode we apologize but of course spoilers if you have not you know seen or read any harry potter which what are you waiting for but where have you been yeah if you haven't then there will definitely be spoilers from this book and movie and the wider potter canon in general we might talk about you know other ones as well so just as an fyi Yep, so jumping on in, um, we wanted to kind of give a, an overview kind of, of what the plot is. Um, so Harry Potter returns to Hogwarts for his second year of wizard training. I like that they said training and not school. I know. Well, um, I mean, it's not like they learn math and science or anything, so, you know. They learn botany. True, yeah, a subject. but still. Um, but he returns <laughs> for his second year of school. Despite warnings from a mysterious house elf named Dobby. Oh, Dobby. I know. I love Dobby. <laughs> um, who claims that Harry is in grave danger. Upon arriving to school, um, strange things begin to happen. Harry seems to be hearing voices that no one else hears. So it sounds like he's going crazy. It's never a good thing, even um, in the wizarding world. <laughs> a monster is lurking in the halls, literally petrifying students in the deadly Chamber of Secrets has apparently opened though most people including the professors don't even believe it exists now that's the overview of it um obviously the book it does have a little more details on certain things but Mm -hmm. generally book and movie follow the same plot the same plot definitely and with both those following the same plot we're also going to follow the same plot or outline of the last episode harry potter episode of giving the overview and then jumping into some different topics and categories yes. about the book and movies. First, though, do you... Okay, because I, I said that it is, unfortunately, my least favorite in the series. So what do you think? I mean, where does it rank in your... I mean, I guess you could say eight, because there's eight movies. So where does it rank mm. in your eight? I mean, it's probably on the lower end. Yeah. I think... And people might hate me for this also, but I don't think the first one is either one of my favorites either. 
No, me either. I mean, it's literally like the top, the bottom two are. Yeah, I think I'm Chamber right of in, Secrets, and then Sorcerer's Stone is right above it. Yeah, I think I'm probably in. I mean, I actually think I'm the opposite of that one, because I think Chamber of Secrets does a little bit more of expanding into Hogwarts. As well, I mean, in, I like, like I like Sorcerer's Stone better because it's the introduction of it all. Yeah, of course, but I mean, for me. Yeah. I feel like it expands more on the actual like halls of the school and like seeing right. the school and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Okay. Just curious there. So. Mm-hmm. so don't hate us if we made you mad. <laughs> oh no. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, guys. We'll get into the other ones later. <laughs> we'll get into our favorites, of course. Mm-hmm. So alright, so let's jump into our categories. You ready? Mm-hmm. So just as a quick overview again, our categories are Best book to movie change and worst book to movie change, which I will cover since Troy is a loser and does not read. Don't um, judge me. Some people could think you're a loser <laughs> for reading, so. No, never. Uh, best magic moment. Bad adult moment, which if you did not listen to the first Harry Potter mo- uh, episode, what we mean by that is like not just being like a like it's not like Voldemort being just like a mean person. Like not it's as like, in a villain. Yeah, like. It's- Literally, like the adults in, are like negligent caretakers, basically like, of the children. Like real world bad person <laughs> type thing. Um, best and worst character, and then I added a new one for this episode, and will you do it going forward as well? Mm. It's the winner of the book or movie, whichever one you know. Like I'll do book, and you can do movie. Like who do you think? And you can't choose Harry every single time just because he, you know, beats Voldemort in the book in the movie. Like who do you think is like? The best character of the movie, or did the best, you know, had the best scene, or whatever you want to use, you know, for as in the quote unquote winner. Okay. 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 So, thought that would be fun to kind of okay. choose our gotcha. who we thought would be our winners. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, let's jump into best book to movie change. All, all yours. Oh my. So I have two for this one. So the the movie changes are really hard for me to narrow it down to just one on the best and worst because there's so many. Because there's so much that is left out. Mm-hmm. So I can't just narrow it down to one. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I have two for best. And so one was after Harry and Ron get to the school in the car... When they take the car to the school after they get locked out of the platform nine and three quarters. When they almost get ran over by the train? Yes. <laughs> and Mrs. Weasley sends the howler to Ron when they're in the Great Hall. Mm-hmm. In the book, when Ron gets the howler, the envelope is just sitting on the table. And Mrs. Weasley's voice is like screaming from the envelope. Mm-hmm. So I really like that they made it really visual in the movie and like turn the envelope into like the shape of a mouth screaming the words. You so know what I mean? In the book it would be like it was playing like an audio track or something. Yeah, almost. Yeah, basically like that. So I really like that they like made it really visual like that. Mm-hmm. So that was my first one. And then my second one, sorry I just hit the table with the wand. <laughs> my second one was in the book Nearly Headless Nick invites Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Well, he invites Harry, but Harry brings Hermione and Ron with him to Nick's 500th death day party. 
So, like, the opposite of a birthday. <laughs> okay. Hey, and, it, they always say, you know, don't mourn, celebrate it, my life. I mean, it was, like, a really cool scene in the book. I will give you that. Like, it gave you a lot of insight into, like, the ghosts of the story and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly inconsequential to the story's progression. So... I was totally okay with it being cut from the movie. Like, it wasn't, like, something that I was like, oh, I can't believe they did, they left that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like I said, I, I, it was a really cool moment. And, like, I'll show you the scene in the book later if you want to, like, see, you know, little details of it. Because mm-hmm. it was, like, you know, like, the food they had out for the party Is was, like, pictures? all, like, rot. No, there's no picture. It's not a picture book, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, all the food they had out was, like, all, like, old rotten food, you know. And, like, the ghosts are, like, like, you know how, like, you see, like, in cartoons when ghosts, like, basically, like, float through the table with their mouth open? Like, Mm -hmm. like, the ghosts were doing that. And, like, (laughs) you know, things like that. Did you see the food um, dropping through their silhouette? No, it wasn't that cool. And, like, the, the headless hunt showed up for Nick's death day party and, you know, basically made fun of Nick for not being able to make it on the headless hunt because he wasn't completely headless he's nearly headless you know <laughs> and you know like little details like that so it's really cool but it was also kind of not it was like i said mostly inconsequential to the story's progress so you know yeah so yeah so that's my best movie changes book to movie changes okay so but then worst book to movie changes so i have technically i have Four plus one that's not really that big of a deal to me, but just kind of a side note that I wanted to throw out there. Okay. Because, like I said, I can't just narrow it down to one. You're really bad at this. I know. I'm sorry. I'm glad we haven't done a ranking thing oh, yet. Oh, just because... wait till we get to, like, Goblet of Fire and Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. Like, we might have to have two episodes for each one of those. Because well, they're such Deathly big Deathly Hallows, books. we probably will. Yeah. But... but... Those are such I'm gonna, no, big I'm going to make you stick to one. I, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. It's, I can't do it. I'm going to have like 10 for those books. Oh, God. <laughs> Getting a comfy seat so, while you're listening, guys. I know, right? I told you they're going to be really long episodes when we get to it. <laughs> uh, so the worst book to movie changes. So it's kind of, I think if I remember correctly, which I did just watch the movie last night to kind of refresh my memory. And you watched it today, I think. Um, (laughs) So I think it's kind of alluded to that Harry finds out that Filch is a squib. Like a non-magical wizard. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he finds like a quick spell advertisement thing. And like when when Filch finds Mrs. Norris petrified, like he says like Harry did it. You know, and all this stuff. Like, well, in the book, he's saying, like, Harry did it because he found out that Filch is a squib and, you know, he's all this and, you know, he's going to kill Harry in retribution and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I just, I don't know. I just really wish they would have shown that Filch was an actual squib because, I mean, it's kind of obvious throughout the films because he never does magic but you never get really get an explanation of yeah, why it would add a little backstory to yeah it. exactly so you know um and he's kind of 
not a main character at all, but he's a big he's part a of the very, movies. A he's big always there. He's a recurring side character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, and then when they go to Diagon Alley to get all their school supplies and everything. You mean Diagon Alley? Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that... When Harry's glasses are broken and Hermione fixes them, that is the dumbest change they could have done because magic is illegal outside of school, guys. So why is she doing magic in Diagon Alley? Because she's helping a friend. But in the book, it's (laughs) Arthur that does it. Arthur Weasley. Mr. Weasley. Mm. So I just thought it was really stupid and didn't really make sense to have them make have Hermione do it because like I said magic is illegal outside of school for underage wizards so it's like y'all are showing her doing something which which happens throughout the films actually because in one of the films in the opening they show Harry using the Lumos spell while at the Dursleys like to do his homework it's like you're not supposed to do that when you're not at school (laughs) You know? Even in a private, like, home or anything? No. No. Hmm. So, I just think it's kind of funny. But, um, and then, this one was really fun to me, um, in the book. But when they are at the bookstore, Flourish and Blots, and that, that confrontation between Mr. Weasley and Lucius, is it? How do you pronounce it? Is it Lucius or Lucius? I say Lucius. Because I've never figured that one out. <laughs> I think it's Lucius. I've always said Lucius. I don't know. And I'm going to say... Same, same. I'm going to continue to say Lucius throughout the series, guys. So It's the same, same, but different. Okay. Do you know that's from? No. you never seen the interview? No. With Seth, Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco? No. Oh, my gosh. It's a comedy, stupid comedy. Okay. Okay. Anyways, keep going. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> but the confrontation between Lucius Malfoy and Arthur Weasley at Flourish and Blots, mm-hmm. they just kind of have conversation in the movie. In the book, it actually gets so bad that they end up having a physical fight. Seriously? Yeah. And to me, like, there's just something about these two grown men that can do magic resorting to physically attacking each other. Like, that yeah, just, that's what I was going to say. Like, that just shows, like, how much, like, they just, they're that angry. They can't even think about you grabbing their wand and using it. They just immediately just start throwing punches, you know? <laughs> <laughs> start sw- fist swinging, you know? So, I just, I, I really wish it would have shown that, you know? Mm-hmm. I just think it's a cool little detail. Um. um I feel like you said Arthur. He's not. I feel like he's not confrontational like that. No, and that's the other thing. He's not either. So that's why I think it would have been really nice to see it. You know, because yeah. he's not that kind of person. And and then you go into a further book, which is Order of the Phoenix. Um, and there's a scene, you know, at the Quidditch at one of the Quidditch matches where. Um, Draco Malfoy is talking so much crap after one of the games, after one of the matches, that Fred and George get so angry that they physically attack him. 
<laughs> so it's just kind of one of those like. Well, he he deserves it. Well, yeah, but I mean, didn't Lucius deserve it too? True. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and then my last one was at the end of the movie when Harry is in the Chamber of Secrets with Tom Riddle, and they're having that conversation, um, and Tom like asks like, "How did this baby, with no exceptional magical talent, defeat Voldemort?" It's before he admi- admits that he is Voldemort. They do not reveal, you know, they don't show that part where Harry is telling him that it was my mother's sacrifice that saved me. It was my mother's love. It was my mother's sacrifice. And that, to me, is the biggest, worst book-to-movie change because in this series, it is so important that it was Lily's love and sacrifice that saved Harry. And it was it's so fundamental to understanding how Voldemort thinks, how what he values and doesn't value, what he so easily dismisses. And to me, cutting it out also cuts out showing how each character weighed those factors as well, that sacrifice, that love, you know? And, you know, because Harry not only knows, but he understands that this is what saved him. Yeah. While Vault. Tom Voldemort just dismisses it saying it was just a lucky chance. You know, so it mm-hmm. it was like your first introduction to Voldemort, Tom Riddle showing his ignorance towards that powerful magical force yeah. of love. And it's like showing the opposite side of a coin basically. Yeah. And so I think it was really really important to show that and I wish they would have so, and then my the other one that I said was just like a little side note I wanted to throw out was um, when Harry first goes to Diagon Alley and he gets into the wrong place in Nocturne Alley. Um, it was a bonus scene in the extended version, but in the regular version they cut it where he hides in a cabinet in Borgen and Burks while and Draco and Lucius come in. And there's a conversation between Draco and Lucius about Harry Potter and all this and blah, blah, blah. But the cabinet that Harry is hiding in is the vanishing cabinet that ends up being the one that is used in Half-Blood Prince. That would have been so cool. So I just think it's kind of cool that... That would have been really cool. That that would I just think that would have been cool to show. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So. I agree. I feel like that would have been cool just for... Because yeah. I, I love, like, continuity type things. Yeah. Like and, that. and, like, if you read the books, there's all kinds of callbacks. Like, when you, if you reread it, you notice little things in the early series that are like, oh, mm-hmm. that, wait, that's the vanishing cabinet that we use in five books later, you know? Or th- yeah. little things like that, that it's such, or like in Order of the Phoenix, in the book, when they're, they first go to, the Order of the Phoenix headquarters at 12 Grimal Place and they're cleaning it to make it livable again. Like that's a big part of the, that part of the book. They're cleaning out this big giant cabinet full of all this junk is what it's what they say. And it lists off all these different items that they're pulling out and one is a heavy gold locket that no one could open. And that's just one little piece, one little item thrown in the middle of a sentence. That's the Horcrux, mm-hmm. the locket. 
That's what I was so thinking. it was just like little things like that, and you don't even think about it when you read the book until you get back to the next book, and it's the locket that they talk about, and you're like, wait a minute, and wait, but they—that's what they found the last book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a part of the nerdy part of me. <laughs> is you are a nerd? Yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> is I really enjoy. And, of course, since I don't read, I really enjoy going on to, like, YouTube and things like that Mm -hmm. and watching and hearing and listening to things about, like, history and lore of all of these fictional things. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I've done it for the Marvel Universe, for Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Like, I've done it for all these things. So, going into the next one here. Yes. Is going to be the best magic moment. All right. In mine, it's it's honestly kind of like a misfire of a spell, but I just think it's hilarious and one of my favorite parts of the movie. Can I guess which one it is? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want you to ruin it. I think I know. It's when they're they're in between classes or they're going somewhere, and uh, Malfoy does what he always does and he threatens them or says something it acts like an asshole and ron pulls out his broken wand and he says eat slugs i knew that's what it was <laughs> right it literally backfires on him <laughs> and he's throwing up live slugs for the rest of the day yes i don't know why but just the the threat of eat slugs it just gets you, me every time did you know the behind the scenes tidbit on that one no was it a real slug in his mouth no but oh, rupert grant actually said in an interview that um it was like candy pieces that they gave him to like put in his mouth and puke up like throw and like act like he was puking up and he said each one was a different flavor so he was like i really didn't mind having to do it all day because each one was a different flavor so they actually kind of tasted good (laughs) that's funny (laughs) yeah i thought that was hilarious (laughs) i love i love hearing about stuff like that i know (laughs) um also, this is a side note from what we were just talking about, but it was the, the same director for this one also from the first one. If anyone remembers me talking about it, that Chris Columbus, which I still not think his name. Not Christopher Columbus. Yeah, not Christopher. Chris. He didn't come over on boats. Um, he was already here. But <laughs> he, uh, that it just goes to show again with this movie just how much he really, like, lived up to like directing kids in a movie yeah and again this might not be the best movie of the series <laughs> but getting still getting these young kids to do all this yeah and to be professional yeah because I, I was nowhere movie, they were like 12 around 12 but at that age i was nowhere near mature or professional i'm still not even mature <laughs> somewhat professional sometimes yeah. but not mature <laughs> so that was just side bit, yeah. but yeah, going back to eat slugs is my favorite line of the whole movie. <laughs> so, what about you? So, well, I have one for the book and one for the movie, and they're oh, I different. Thought, I thought you were about to say I can't decide. No, I mean because I've read <laughs> I've read the book and watched the movies. I have all all of our categories. I have one for book and one for the movie. Okay. So, and they sometimes they'll be the same. Sometimes they'll be different. It just depends. So, but the for this one I have two different ones. So for the book, my favorite best magic moment was the polyjuice potion scene. 
when they actually drink it and turn into the people and like or even just going to like where Hermione's making it you know Mm -hmm. because to me it you know it not only showed how smart Hermione is truly is to be able to make this such a complicated potion yeah I was gonna gonna say in the in the movie she pulls out the book from the library and says that it's a very complicated yeah and she said what like a month yeah it took a month but it's also our first introduction to the Polyjuice Potion, which is used... Several times. Many times throughout the series from here on out. Yeah. So that was why it's my favorite in the books. But the movie, my favorite, my best magic moment was actually the burrow scene when they, when Ron and the twins take Harry to the burrow in the beginning. And it's just the little things... Honestly, about how seeing, like, that small insight into how magic is used at home by adults on mm-hmm. a daily basis. Like, doing dishes, the the knitting by itself, you know, all that stuff. Like, that was just really cool for me to see. You know, I just really, really liked seeing that. Yeah, I was actually going so. to bring up about I loved his reaction walking into oh, the Weasley home. I know. And I love his you know, when Ron was like, it's not much, but it's home. And Harry was like, I think it's amazing. Or I think it's brilliant is what he says or something like that. But he lived in a closet. Yeah. I mean, he thinks anything is amazing at this point. So I just, I love that moment. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So bad adult moment. What you got for that one? Everything to do with the pretty boy professor. (laughs) Jesus. And, and, I think, and this was early on in the movie, but whenever he pulled out the damn pixies, it couldn't do anything about them, and just left the kids. He's like, "All right, you got it. I, I yeah. gotta go. I gotta call. I need to. Cornish I need to send. Pixies. I need to send mail to one of my fans. Yeah. Whatever the hell he says. <laughs> and also in this, poor Neville is always picked on. Oh, no matter. I love Neville. He's one of my favorites. No matter honestly. if it's one of the characters or one of the kids, one of the professors, the damn pixies that picked him up, put him on a chandelier. But don't you, but at the same time, don't you love Seamus's uh, accent when he's like, Cornish pixies? Yeah. I can't do the accent, obviously. I'm I not even trying. Say, that was not good. I wasn't even trying. Okay. But I just love his accent when he says it. Like, I love his accent regardless, but the way that he says that is just hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, that poor kid... Until what the last, the last movie, the last part of the last book, I guess, is whenever he like finally glows up. And... Well, in the in the books, he really starts to come into his own in Order of the Phoenix, okay. with um, the DA. Mm-hmm. So, but the movies, he doesn't really until the Deadly until Hallows. Until later on, yeah. Until the final battle, basically. Yeah. So. But... Also. Not related to Harry Potter, but didn't the actor of him have a really good glow up also? Yeah, they call it, uh, he long bottomed. He, he long bottomed better than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> he, yeah, he really, but in the, in the movies, he actually, there were, I think at least one movie, if not two, where he, because he had shot up so tall and he had lost weight because he had grown mm-hmm. that he actually had to wear like a quote-unquote fat suit i don't want to call it an actual fat suit but just like padding to make him look like 
a little bit chubbier than he actually is. To like match the, the age act- of yeah. the movie. And he had to wear fake teeth to match what he had been in the movies because his teeth had straightened out and all of that as he grew. That sucks, poor kid. Even as a real person, he's eating pink ton. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. But You're bad at all moments. Uh, well, for the books, I agree. Any lock, any Lockhart moment, like literally any Lockhart moment. Mm-hmm. This guy is the worst professor in the world. Well, maybe not the worst, but he wasn't even a real professor. Yeah. <laughs> so, just about any Lockhart moment, and and I've got some little tidbits about him that we'll go into in a minute when I do the details. I can't not talk about. Mm-hmm. I've got a few little things I want to talk about there. But um, but for the movie, my bad adult moment is Lucius Malfoy at the end of the movie when Harry frees Dobby. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucius literally tries to murder Harry with the killing curse before Dobby stops him. <laughs> Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Like, he literally starts saying the killing curse say before Dobby, like, snaps his fingers and uses his elf magic to, like, blast him backwards. So are elves actually strong? You're literally standing outside of Dumbledore's office. About to kill a child. And you're going to try to kill the boy who lived. Not just a child. But But the boy who lived outside (laughs) of Dumbledore's office at Hogwarts. Because he frees your elf. Really? (laughs) Like, you're a shitty person. Well, I mean... This is a spoiler for anyone, but isn't that his his group's goal by the end of the series well, anyways? I mean, yeah, but I mean... I mean, if he did it right then, Voldemort could, you know, praise him I mean, for whatever. I mean, Lucius deserved to be in Azkaban regardless, but he... You, you would have thought, like, for a split second, the thought would have gone into his head, like, if I murder this boy right here now, like, I'm a goner. <laughs> yeah, I did say Voldemort you know? would probably praise him, but honestly, Voldemort would probably be pissed. Well, that he wasn't didn't even get back to kill yet. Him. No, I know. I'm so. just saying he would have been pissed that he didn't get to kill but Harry. Yes. yes. So, <laughs> I just thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Funny, but weird. But even though this is a bad adult moment category, I do kind of want to give a shout out to a good adult moment. Okay. Um. And I think it was just in the book. I don't remember if they expanded on this scene in the movie. I'd have to go back and look. I cannot remember. But when Harry first gets to the burrow um, and Mrs. Weasley is telling Harry to eat, I don't think it's in the movie. Yeah, she told him to, like, tuck in at the table and, like, eat breakfast. But, um, like, the first time I read it, like, it just kind of seemed like generic motherhood kind of, you know, mothering. Like, in the same way that, like, your grandma will tell you, like, you're too skinny. Like, you need to eat more, you know? Grandma never told me that. Well, I meant like a... (laughs) (laughs) Grandma always told me and Pam we were fat. Sorry, Pam, but it's true. You know what I meant. (laughs) But after going back and rereading it, it kind of hits a little different because she wasn't just like worrying over nothing. Like Harry had been basically being starved at the Dursleys. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, they had literally been giving him, like, the bare minimum of food. Like, cold canned soup. You know? And so, 
when she gets to when he gets to the borough, you know, he mentions that he had been spending most of his time lying around on his bed and sleeping. It's probably because he didn't have the energy to do anything else. <laughs> you know? Probably. And so the book actually describes Mrs. Weasley as being like incredibly angry right up until one of the twins mentions that they had been starving Harry. And then she kind of takes a second to actually see like the bad shape that Harry is in and almost all of her her anger just like fades away. And like, she's still kind of strict with the boys, but like nowhere near as angry as she had been. And so like, then like the whole conversation during the meal, like she even makes a point of like letting Harry know that she's not angry with him, you know, when she started yelling and that, and she's constantly giving Harry praise and positive reinforcement. Yeah, she did that in the so, movie like, also. So, like, in short, like, she's basically following, like, the textbook guide for dealing with, like, a victim of abuse. <laughs> you know? So, if you look back on it, like, in rereading as an adult, it totally hits different. <laughs> <laughs> it, so. It, in, the, in the movie, you could see, or, like, you could hear the difference. So, like you said, she was yelling at the at her boys for everything and you literally hear her say oh but you didn't do anything wrong here yeah so and it's <laughs> it's just kind of like a really nice moment that showed an adult actually being like really responsible and caring for harry's emotional and physical well-being which is something mm-hmm. he had never really experienced you know mm-hmm. so i just kind of want to give a shout out to like a really good adult moment yeah so Shout out to Mrs. Weasley on that one. Mm-hmm. I want to actually add to that, since that wasn't a cat, like it wasn't in our little categories. Do you want to add that as a category, a good adult moment, since we do a bad we adult could. moment? We could, yeah. But mine, <laughs> I wanted to add is actually a Hagrid, because at one point when Harry is walking through the hallways alone, it was after um, the kid Justin mentioned something about being Muggleborn. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how Harry was. They everyone thought Harry was the heir to Slytherin, right? Right. And Harry heard the, overheard them in the, in the study hall or wherever they were. Mm-hmm. So he's walking away. He's flustered. He's upset. Hagrid is in the in the hallways. You know, he's putting up some kind of charm for the chicken hens or chicken yeah. coop or something. But he stops and he actually notices that Harry is like visibly upset about something. Yeah. And none of the professors at this point, have done that yet. Yeah. I love the relationship between Harry and Hagrid. I really, really do. Because um, he's been... I mean, he's literally been there since he's like his that, parents died. He's like the cool uncle. Yeah, I mean, he's been like that uncle-slash-older-brother-slash-friend yeah. relation for Harry, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's... I mean, he's never really been like a father figure. I won't say that. No. Um, just a but he's that male figure he can grow that, on. Yeah, he's been that male figure that Harry can always turn to. Um, kind of, I guess the best way for me to compare it would be like in the non-magical world. So like in our world, <laughs> in reality, it'd be like what you are to my daughter. <laughs> you know, like you're like that positive male relationship mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> so I'm not as cool as Hagrid, but I'm kind of there. Well, I mean, you can't actually do magic. As much as you like to pick With... up any stick you find and act like it's a wand. Well, 
The funny thing is, is Hagrid doesn't have a wand. He uses an umbrella. But his wand is in his wand is in the umbrella. But it's an umbrella. So you know, he can still do magic, and he's half giant. True. So you know, of course, when you stand next to my daughter, you look half giant because she's very small. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's do best and worst character. Mm-hmm. So my. I'll go. My best character for book and movie is Dobby. Aww. That was going to be mine. He's literally one of my favorite characters of the entire series. He's so genuine. I know. Have you ever noticed, though, that nobody ever, in the entire Harry Potter series, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that Harry Potter is their favorite character. Because he's not. <laughs> he's. I just think it's kind of funny. He's the main character. I just think it's kind of funny. But no, here, so Dobby is definitely my best character for this book and movie, just because it's our introduction to him. And even though in the movies we don't see him again until Deathly Hallows, I think so. He is in like three more books, four more books. That sucks that they don't show him. So he's he's a lot bigger of a character in the books, and he's freaking awesome. <laughs> I absolutely love him. And him and Creature have like a hate hate relationship. <laughs> well, Creature's a little they asshole. They literally get into like fist fights oh, that when they're in, so in the same watch. scenes. Like Dobby like punches out half of Creature's teeth at one point. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, saying to go fight someone, but that would be so funny to watch. There's two small elves fighting each other. I know. I love it. So that's my best character, but then my worst character. Okay, here's another example where I couldn't narrow it down to one for either book or movie. So I have two. Buckle up, guys. Here we go again. I only have two for book and movie. So one is Lockhart just for being an absolute moron. That's a given. (laughs) And then two is Draco for just his blatant prejudice and harassment of Hermione. Like, it's our first, like, introduction of his like blatant hate. Mm-hmm. His his thought of superiority. Yeah, I mean you could tell like in the first movie like he really thought highly of himself or whatever, but he wasn't like I don't really feel like he was like downright like hateful or like harassing mm-hmm. of he wasn't, other people. He wasn't a douche yet. Yeah, I mean, well, he, he was kind of a douche, but not like this. Yeah, not you fully. Know? Yeah. So, so those are my best and worst. What do okay. you have? Well, you took my best. I mean, we can have the but, same best character. But it's definitely funny. Dobby. Just because he's so Dobby. sweet and little and he's he's so hard on himself all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says one thing and he gets ma- like upset and just starts Dobby headbutting has the wall. the magic of the house elf. <laughs> he can't help it. But like you said, the introduction of him, he's just... Like you said, in the book, he's not as, you know, relevant. But I feel like anyone that's you mean seen... in the movie? Yeah, in the movie, sorry. Anyone that's seen them knows who Dobby is. Oh, yeah, and everyone loves him. Like, I've mm-hmm. never met a single person that does not love Dobby. Yeah. <laughs> and just, we are joking about this earlier, but just when he's like, Master's giving Dobby a sock. Just love how happy he is I know. <laughs> about a sock. I know. 
<laughs> Actually, um, in one of the later books, and I cannot remember which one it is, I apologize. I mean, normally I would know exactly like what book and chapter and everything, <laughs> but I can't think of which one it is. Um, I want to say Goblet of Fire. I think it's Goblet of Fire. Um, Hermione's on this like mission to save house elves because she finds out like Hogwarts has like a hundred house elves. And it's employment. Like, that's how the kitchens get run and everything, you know, is house elves. Yeah. I never knew that. And so she starts, like, knitting socks and scarves and hats and, like, leaving them over all over the Gryffindor common room. Because that's how the common rooms get cleaned also, is house elves. After all the kids go to bed. So none of the house elves will clean Gryffindor common room anymore except Dobby. And so he, at one point when he shows up, he has, like, ten different socks on at once. (laughs) And, like... 15 different hats all like piled up on his head. <laughs> I just think it's adorable. Like, I know they have a certain screen time that they have to hit for movies, but why can't they include this stuff, I man? I wish they could have included it. I more. would love to That's see. That's why I think it needs to be like a TV show. Like, it should have been, like, each book should have been an entire season. Like a series? Yeah. I can, I can get behind everything. that for yeah. sure. That would be awesome. Yeah. At least 10 episodes. Se- like, a, do an HBO series. Like, House of the Dragon ten, or something. 10, 12 episodes a season? Yeah. For each book. It'd be amazing. Oh. I know. I'm so mad. I know. You just made me mad now that they I haven't know. done that. I, know. I, know. I was fine this whole time, but now I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know. But, but yes, Dobby. Everyone loves Dobby. So, who's your worst character? Um... I'm sticking with the Malfoys like you, but I'm going to go with Papa Malfoy. Who should be in prison? He's, we've already said this earlier, but he's a complete asshole, regardless. Mm-hmm. He's no, like, remorse towards another human being or anything, unless it's no. his bloodline. Yeah. But he tried killing a child. Yeah. At the end of the movie. I mean, technically, you could consider two because he gave Ginny Weasley the diary that opened mm. the chamber and let the memory of Tom Riddle out, which was draining away her life force. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. So you could technically so consider it two attempted yeah, murders. Adding more fuel to the fire here with that one. Okay. I'm so smart. <laughs> but he... In... Granted, this is another spoiler for all of you guys that haven't seen this or read, but he, the the group that he's in, the the Death Eaters, they're. Did I say the right Death Eaters? Is yeah. That the right group. Okay. I just had a, <laughs> just real second and believe in myself on that. Um, their goal eventually is to help kill the chosen one. Right. But still, he's. A literal child at this point and there's no remorse no second thought on it except Dumbledore is right next door yeah I, I, <laughs> I, and like I said I still don't understand that one but that's my worst and I feel I feel that's kind of a safe choice throughout the series but with this book especially just yeah. because he almost killed two children <laughs> It's a little bit of a better choice on this one. Yeah. So. Okay. So then who would you pick for the movie winner? Would you go with Harry because he saves Ginny and gets rid of Tom Riddle? 
I feel like you have to. Do you though? I mean, that's who mm. I was originally gonna go with, but then I changed my mind. Okay, what's yours then? Dobby. Dobby, <laughs> of course. Dobby, because we get introduced to him, and because he gets set free, which sets him on a path of just a better life for himself. He ends up getting employed at Hogwarts. Um, gets paid by Dumbledore, which house elves don't get a salary, you know. So mm-hmm. Dumbledore agrees to pay him. He gets one week, one day off a month, which is like amazing to Dobby. I mean, Dumbledore had told him he would pay him a lot more and give him every weekend off, but Dobby worked him down to like a lot less and one day off a month. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, he does, you know, he's like, I don't have to call him master, but you know, that's what I'm going to call him. And he's like, Dumbledore told me I could call him a barmy old codger if I wanted, but I would never do that. <laughs> so, I mean, so, you know, it sets him on a really great path in my opinion, you know, yeah. even though it does end up killing him. I'm sorry. I love you, Dobby. But you didn't even give a spoiler warning on this one. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But yeah, so that's my my winner. Because mm-hmm. he's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, him. I'll change and I'll agree with you. It's a dummy. I mean, you can't... <laughs> anytime you see him, he's going to be the winner. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that's our categories. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I definitely like adding the... The good adult. That was a, that was a good addition. To All right, there. so we'll do that from now on for the series. I agree. So okay. So now, this is going to be your favorite part. Yes. Because it's the details you can't not talk about. Wee. For I'm assuming book and movie. Yeah. Or is this just lore in general? What's just it? in general, really. Um, just both, all three, I guess you can say, because you said three things. Sorry, I can't count. Um, <laughs> Um, so to start out, um, in the book, the Dursleys did not know that Harry was not allowed to do magic outside of school. I think in the movie, it's kind of said that they're like, they, they say something like he's not supposed to do it or something like that. Okay. Um, so that was just like a little tidbit there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this was funny to me. <laughs> so in the movie... Harry's trip to the borough when they first get there, you know, in the morning when they're eating breakfast mm-hmm. and um, Ginny runs in and asks Mrs. Weasley where her jumper is. Did you notice what her answer was? No. She said, yes, dear, it's on the cat. <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I'm like, why is her sweater on the cat? <laughs> that's one thing I've never caught. <laughs> watching this movie yeah. several times yeah i think that's hilarious and then the part where mr weasley asks harry the function of a rubber duck that was actually improvised no it wasn't so there apparently the actor that played arthur weasley they did several takes of that and he would ask a different question each take and that was the one that they used for the scene, for the final scene. That is so funny. So I thought that was really cool. Do you have any idea what the other questions I were? I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember. That but would have been so funny. I think funny. one was like, how does the air, how, how do airplanes stay up? <laughs> um, I don't remember the others. But, but side note though, 
For a wizard that is so obsessed with muggles and even works in the misuse of muggle artifacts office, (laughs) Arthur is absolutely clueless about muggles. (laughs) Like, absolutely clueless. It's fascinating to me. It'd be like us going and working with actual historical artifacts. I have no idea what they are. (laughs) It's hilarious. So... And then, oh, you mentioned earlier when we talked about um, when they go to Diagon Alley and you said... Diagon Alley? So so in the movie, he just stupidly mispronounces it, Mm -hmm. right? In the book, the reason that happens is because he actually had ash in his mouth from the flu powder and was coughing when he spoke. So he... the magic just kind of misunderstood what he was saying, I guess. <laughs> the magic misunderstood. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then at, when they're in Diagon Alley, it also, in the book it shows it, but the movie it doesn't. It doesn't show Harry and the Weasleys going to Gringotts to get money for their shopping. And when they go to the Weasleys vault, it explains that it was almost completely empty like it literally said something about like molly literally like feeling into every little corner to make sure she got everything so they could pay for everything and then they go to harry's vault and he's literally trying to like pull the door closed on himself so they don't see how much gold he has and it's like but at the same time i'm sitting here thinking why doesn't he help yeah why can't you just give them like half your wealth why was he so rich? His parents... So, his parents left him their wealth. But, if I remember correctly, an ancestor of James's, like a grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, one of those, I don't remember, invented like some kind of like hair potion or something that made him famous and was like very you know wealthy (laughs) wealthy and so the wealth just got passed down a hair potion yeah so i'm I'm assuming you know shampoo without water it was no i don't remember (laughs) what exactly it is i i I could go back and look honestly but i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but (laughs) yeah so he he has an ancestor that invented some kind of hair potion that is still used during his time that his That's family crazy. made their wealth off of. That's crazy. So, yeah. so much, so much built into this world. <laughs> um, but my my question is, why couldn't he have just shared his wealth with the Weasleys? You know, like he literally gave the twins his Triwizard win- winnings. I don't know. Which I don't think that was shown in the movie. I don't think so. Because so I, I don't you that. looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah, when I didn't I said know that. what you were talking about that one. <laughs> So we'll get into that when you got a little fire. Yeah, spoiler. Uh, Sorry. Speaking, while we're talking about Diagon Alley and Nocturne Alley and all that, mm-hmm. I have a question. Yeah. And it's probably shown later on, and I'll probably remember it by then, but right now. What was Lucius not wanting to sell in that box? I don't remember. Because the guy that was in there, he was saying, oh, everything, there's so many good things in here, blah, blah, blah. He's like, 
but this one, like this one is special or this one in particular. And Lucius was like, it's not for sale. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. Oh, I was hoping you had an answer. We'll have There's to look so at it. There's so much that I've done research-wise for this that I've, that they're just like, <laughs> my mind is just so full of Because there was crap. one thing in there that he would not sell. Yeah, I, can't, I don't I remember, cannot what it remember what it is. But, um, I will say if you've ever, and I don't think you have been, you haven't been to the Universal where, oh, I just hit myself in the head with the wand. <laughs> no, I haven't. Where the, Not yet. The Wizarding World at Universal. Not yet. So, and I've mentioned this on our first Harry Potter episode, but my daughter and I went a couple years ago. It's where we bought the wands. Uh, the entire place is freaking amazing. You know that I know who your daughter is, right? I know. I don't. That's just habit. I'm sorry. I am her cool uncle, as I you know. just said. That's just habit. I don't even know why <laughs> I do that. So, hey guys, just FYI, my daughter's name is Kenna, so... I'm going to say Kenna from now on. Um, so anyways, the whole place is freaking awesome. Like, we went to all the different stores, you know, like Flourish and Blots and, you know, the uniform store and uh, the Three Broomsticks and all these places. But because my daughter and I, they're right going in, see? Because Kenna and I have <laughs> a love for all things weird and like a love for the dark and creepy and macabre and you know all that kind of stuff did you say macabre macabre um nocturnality was our favorite part you weirdos (laughs) god Morgan and Burke's the store in Universal is actually really cool is it an actual working store yeah it's an actual working like all of them are they're all actual working stores. So, like, the one where you got these wands, it was the actual, like, wand shop? Yeah. Was it the same guy from the movie? No, he's dead. <laughs> Jim. God. Well, I'm being, yes. So bluntly. <laughs> God. <laughs> no, that motherfucker's dead. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. He is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, all of them are actual working stores, like the sweet shop, um, whatever it's called. I can't think of the name of it. Um, With the jumping chocolate frogs? Yeah. Which they don't actually jump at you. Sorry. Um, I just want something to be real from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. They're all super cool. But anyways, back to our conversation that we were having about mm-hmm. the details <laughs> I want to talk about. Uh, the car ride to Hogwarts that Ron and Harry do is very, very different in the book. Like, it's super action-packed and crazy in the movie and like you know they almost get run over by the train and all this it, that mm, that doesn't happen in the book it's boring <laughs> it's actually very calm and long and boring like they're already... literally just like up above the train in the clouds following it and just kind of dip down below the clouds every like 30 minutes or so to just make sure that they're still following along with it until they get to Hogwarts, and then they do get hit around by the Whomping Willow. That's so boring. It's already. I just do like words. the introduction to the Whomping Willow, though. It's already just words on paper, and yet you're gonna just make it boring and just make them just <laughs> drive straight. Like, give it something. I know, I know. But their first class with Lockhart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the movie it is shown that he gives them a pop quiz. Yeah, it's of him. Of him. Yeah. So what he, <laughs> what he doesn't show in the movie is that it's actually 
54 questions of him. In 30 minutes? Yeah. He tells him 30 minutes to finish yeah. it. So, and he mentions a couple of them when he's reading them out, but um, some examples of them are his favorite color, which is lilac. Mm-hmm. His ideal birthday gift is harmony between all magic and non-magic people. No. And his secret <sighs> ambition to rid the world of all evil and to market his own range of hair care products. <laughs> hair care potions. Oh, actually, it says hair, hair care potions. Excuse me. I misread. <laughs> so, yes. I think those are hilarious. So, Talking... And Hermione was the only one to get them all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> little, what are they called? Uh, Know-it-alls? No, the girls that follow around bands. Bandy? What are they? I don't know. Never mind. What? You never heard about that? Like, the people that follow bands around on tour? Like, little bandies that follow around? Yeah, but that's not what it's called. What are they called? Um, That's what I'm saying. What are they called? Oh, my God. My (laughs) mind just went blank. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it. A bandy is a kid in high school in the band. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyway. Going back. So, you mentioned something about a first class. And it made me think of something that creeped me out in the movie what the first like botany class that they have in this movie mm-hmm. those little baby plant things that oh, they they're pull so weird looking aren't they, they creep the shit out of me i know they're so creepy looking but isn't it funny how like neville passes out and professor sprout is like i'll oh, just leave him there he'll be okay yeah poor like i said <laughs> poor neville is always picked <laughs> no matter who it is <laughs> so um What's next? Uh, okay, when Draco calls Hermione a mudblood. Mm-hmm. That's and, a very bad term. And they go to Hagrid's hut and, like, she says, you know, like, he called me a mudblood. And she even, like, explains what it is. In the book, she had no idea what a mudblood was, and Ron had to explain it to her. Like, really? she knew that it was a bad turn like she knew it was something negative she knew it was an insult just by the tone of voice like yeah. the way he said it but she didn't know what exactly it meant huh. and Ron had to explain it to her I love so, I love the difference from what you've told me the difference from book and movies with Ron I love that he has like I guess you could say like quote unquote like street smart of the wizarding world because he's grown up with yeah. it I love that he has that and he yeah. teaches things like that to his friends well and you know, I like that they're trying to show Hermione that she's very, very smart. You know, especially for a, you know, what are they called? A half blood. Half blood, a Muggleborn. Muggleborn. Muggleborn, but half blood, basically. But, you know, no, not half blood, because that would mean one of her parents was a, a witch or wizard. So she's just a Muggleborn. Then how does she know magic? She had an ancestor that was. Oh, it's I like thought in she her was... bloodline. Oh, okay, I thought she was passed. half. No. Okay. Uh, but anyways, I love that they want to show how smart she is, especially for being a muggle-born witch. But at the same time, the book shows that, yes, she is incredibly smart, incredibly bright. But there are still some things that she doesn't know. But it's book smart. Yeah. And they, it is still showing that Ron is not just the idiot sidekick douchebag half the time that the movie show (laughs) you know like the book is showing like he is 
a really good friend and a you know he's very intelligent at the same time like he might not be Hermione intelligent but he's still really smart you know mm-hmm. so I honestly I kind of wish they would have changed that and not or maybe not changed it so maybe I should have put that in my in my movie changes <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then you'd put it for everyone I know <laughs> so but um oh and then you know your um, best magic moment with the slugs mm-hmm. so a little tidbit about that so in the book we see Harry's detention with Lockhart for the car incident but Ron also got a detention for it but we don't see Ron's detention in the movie mm-hmm. in the book his detention was with Filch and he, what he was supposed to do was he had to polish trophies in the trophy room well that was the same night that he did the eat slugs thing and so he was like puking up slugs the entire time he's trying to polish these trophies so he has to keep repolishing them and one of the <laughs> trophies that he had to keep repolishing because he kept puking up on it was a trophy for special services to the school for a tm riddle so that is how he later recognized the name Tom Riddle on the diary because of the trophy. And also, and I didn't put this in the notes, but that just kind of goes to show you like how much Vol- Voldemort shedded hit shedded shed <laughs> sorry, shed his original like like his real name and his real like personality everything existence almost and became what he wanted he chose what he said was a name that all future witches and wizards would fear and be too scared to even say and it just proves that he he accomplished it because someone like Ron who grew up in the wizarding world who knew who Voldemort was didn't know that he was Tom Riddle mhm <laughs> I have a question. Why was... Like, how did Voldemort get so much power? Was his bloodline just naturally gifted? Like, What do you mean by power? Do you mean, like, how he became so good at magic? Or yeah, how like, he got so many followers? Or just, what do you mean by power? Like, magical power. Like, magical abilities? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I just want to make sure I understand you correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's always known, like you just said, he who shall not be named. Like, everyone knows who he is. He, yeah. He did so much. Like, how, where did this prowess well, with magic come from? He, he was descended from two very, very amazing, like, two very prodigious families. I mean, from Salazar Slytherin himself. And then from the Peveril family also. Mm-hmm. Which... Harry's descended from the Peverells as well. So they're very, very distantly related, yeah. by the way. <laughs> um, I knew but, that one. <laughs> and the Gaunts are thrown in there somehow. I don't know how the Gaunts factor in. I think the the Gaunts descend down from the Slytherins, the, from Salazar Slytherin. And then he comes from the Gaunts, and then the Pe- Peverells on the other side of the family. Okay. Like, the two branches. Yeah. Um, and so they're both very prodigious sides of the family that he descends from um and he's just he is 
basically a scholar, a, a student of magic. You know, he was abandoned, not abandoned, kind of abandoned as a baby. I mean, his mom died giving birth to him, but he didn't have any other family. You know, he grew up in an orphanage, um, didn't have anybody else around, was all alone. You know, when he found out that he was a wizard, he went to school and he decided to learn everything he could about it. Because when he found out he was a wizard, his, you know, his response, in the books at least, was magic? It's magic I can do? And then his next response was, I always knew I was special. When Harry's response was, I think you have the wrong person. (laughs) Like, literally. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So, and he just set, set out to find out everything he could about his past and his family and learn everything he could about how to be a wizard and what to do. And he... Thought so his, not, he thought his mother weak for not, you know, using her abilities to keep herself alive mm-hmm. and succumbing to the human weakness of death. Yeah. So not only did he have natural abilities from his bloodline, mm-hmm. but as you said, he studied everything he and could. And just naturally smart and naturally gifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Okay. I just, I've always wondered that. Yeah. So, um, so moving on, um, do you know that line when Harry and Ron are, after they took the, uh, Polyjuice Potion and they're supposed to be Crab and Goyle and Draco walks up to him mm-hmm. and Harry still has his glasses on and he looks at him and he's like, why are you wearing glasses? And he said, reading. And Draco goes, I didn't know you could read. <laughs> Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So that was not the line in the script. <laughs> that was actually improvised. <laughs> the actual line was something like, I didn't know you liked to read or something like that. But Tom Felton just thought that I didn't know you could read would be better. Mm-hmm. Like he personally felt that. It wasn't like the director or anything. So he just gave it a shot so as a 12 So he just threw that kid. out and they <laughs> loved it. So, I love that. And I love that line. I think it's hilarious. I didn't know you could read. I mean, I feel like that takes balls as a kid to just go off script and just try something. And I think that shows his talent, too. Yeah. He was really good. And he got better in later movies. I love finding out about improvised things in movies. Mm -hmm. It's so great. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Another one that you'll, you'll think is hilarious is... Richard Harris, who played Dumbledore, uh, did not realize... The first Dumbledore? Yes. In the first two movies. Mm -hmm. Did not realize that Fox the Phoenix was an animatronic. I saw something about that, (laughs) yes. He apparently made a comment to the director, Chris Columbus, about how well-trained the bird was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I actually saw that. And they didn't want to tell him because they didn't want to like insult him. Yeah. Because they didn't want to tell him, like, they didn't want to make him feel stupid. So they just let him believe that it was a bird. <laughs> they, they said, like, the director was saying something about, like, he's like, I can just, I just don't, or I, I don't see how we did such a great job on this bird, but we have one of our actors literally two feet from it who don't know that it's fake. Yeah. 
I just, I loved that. I thought that was so good. So. How did you, you train this bird? Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> and then another one that I found kind of funny was um, in both the book and the movie, when Harry first gets into the Chamber of Secrets and finds Ginny unconscious and then Tom Riddle comes out, Harry at first doesn't realize that Tom Riddle is a threat. And it, 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 he, finds out pretty quickly in the movie like he catches on pretty quickly but in the book it takes him a little bit longer and so he just like keeps talking to him like Tom is just like his good friend that just happened to be in the same secret chamber that Salazar Slytherin created and he's like (laughs) Tom you have to help me like we have to get her out of here and Tom keeps talking and he's like no you don't understand there's a basilisk he's gonna come and attack us we have to get out of here and Tom keeps talking and Harry keeps saying things like this and it's like my guy this is not your friend think you're in a secret chamber (laughs) that you have to talk to a snake to get in so and so you know that um podcast that I told you I listened to the binge mode Mm -hmm. one with my favorite podcaster Jason Concepcion um (laughs) if you're ever listening I love you yes so on the Harry Potter episodes that they do, every time they mention Tom Riddle, not Voldemort, but the name Tom Riddle mm-hmm. and Harry in the same sentence, they're like, my good friend Tom. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, speaking. Because of... Harry just acts like he's just like this good guy that just randomly walked up in this secret chamber and is mm-hmm. there to help. So he's like, my good friend Tom. <laughs> um. I just had a crazy memory just come back just now. Hmm. You said anytime the name was mentioned, it made me think of, I don't know how old I was. I don't know if it was like senior high school, if I was in college. No, I wasn't in college. So sorry, mom, if you're listening, but we played a drinking game when I was in high school. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I think that's hilarious. We we were at the old house. Um, We played a drinking game with a Harry Potter movie, and we said anytime someone said... Me and you? Yes, with the sweet tea vodka. I thought you were talking about you and friends. No, 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 me and you, me and you. I think we made it through like 30 minutes of the movie. even. We made it through like 10 or 15, and we were like three or four shots deep, and I was like, Ginny, I'm not going to make it. I remember that. And it was fucking sweet tea vodka. Who drinks sweet tea vodka? (laughs) Every time the name Harry Potter is said, it was anytime like the full Harry Potter was said. Anytime someone said Voldemort, um, that's so. God, funny. I can't I remember. We that. had like five different rules, that's and so we funny. were just taking straight chilled shots. That's of, so funny. Of sweet tea oh vodka, God, which does I not taste like sweet tea. All about that <laughs> until right now. Oh, that's so. It funny. does not taste like sweet tea. No, not at all. <laughs> it's like all. It's like lemon flavored vodka, like the Deep Eddy. Does not taste like lemon unless you mix it with something. Because I tried it one night. And I was like, oh, that is not good. <laughs> so, a little sidetracked on that one. But yeah. it just a crazy memory just popped up. I do have a question for you, though. Speaking of Tom Riddle. Which one from the movies did you like better? The Tom Riddle from Chamber of Secrets or the Tom Riddle from Half-Blood Prince? Because it's two different actors. I feel like the one from the Half-Blood Prince, because for me, it was more memorable. 
mm-hmm. for me personally. I feel like he just gave off that vibe of the the confidence. Yeah. Because at that point he was talking about creating Horcruxes. Yeah. Later on. Yeah. So I feel, and he was also a little bit older of a Tom Rillo, I believe, at that point in in his story. I right. I believe so. So he had more confidence, more knowledge of what he was doing, but I just feel like in that movie, it just portrayed what I would imagine Voldemort's old self being. Yeah. Yeah. Am I wrong? So, well, (laughs) to me, no. I don't really know what the fandom thinks, but Mm -hmm. to me, the the Tom Riddle from Chamber of Secrets had the height and the thinner frame you know, like the look, the kind of like that kind of look to him. The physical look of yeah, Voldemort. But he just, he, his behavior was just too, almost volatile, too angry, like too much of like outbursty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For Voldemort. So the Tom Rowe from Half Blood Prince. It's more like methodical. Just had that more like a creepier vibe to him that just seemed more like Voldemort to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I feel like Voldemort is, like like I said, methodical on his things. Yeah, I mean... He, he's, he, he's thinking there ahead are, on what he's there doing. There are parts where he does, like, get angry and volatile or, yeah. or lash out. But and the cemetery for the most part... Goblet of Fire? Yeah, but for the most part, he's very like calm yeah. and methodical and... Creepy. Creepy. He doesn't have a nose. Well, you know. <laughs> and that happens. <laughs> but yeah so no I agree I, I do think the Papa Prince one which I can't wait till we get to that episode because that's my favorite book I was going to say that's your favorite isn't it that's my favorite mm-hmm. book I'm so excited to do that one I'm actually listening to the binge mode episodes of the book Half Blood Prince right now you're a little ahead so. aren't you well, I, this is the second time I've listened to them. Because oh, okay. <laughs> I, I restarted. Because when I first found binge mode, you binged it. I no. Hold on, let me finish. I found them because of the Game of Thrones episodes that they did. Okay. Because they rewatched every episode of Game of Thrones and then did a podcast episode for every single Game of Thrones episode. So I watched. I listened to all of those, and then I found their Harry Potter episodes, and I was like, oh. Yay! <laughs> so I listened to all of the movie episodes first for all the Harry Potter movies. And then I was like, oh, because I was like, I don't want to listen to the books where they just go into like every single chapter. But then I listened to one of them and I'm like, wait, this is actually kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, it'd be good for you because you don't like to read. This would be just like an hour for like yeah. three to four chapters each for one hour, over like one hour, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like an overview and like little things that they talk about. It's really cool. Yeah. But um, but the first ones I listened to was I did Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows first, and then I went back and restarted from the beginning of the series, and now I'm back to all the way back now to Half Blood Prince. You always do that. I do. You find something you like and you just stick with it. I know. Which I, w- I totally want to do an episode on things that we just keep returning to, like the guilty pleasures or whatever you want to call them, of like TV shows or movies or books that you just keep yeah. returning to over and fun. over again. It'd be fun. Leave a, let, us, let us know. Comment. See if you'd like to... Or let us know if you'd like to listen to it. Yeah. 
I feel like that would be fun. I do that constantly. Like, there's like, I have like a rotating list of like TV shows that mm-hmm. I just watch over and over again. I do too. So we'll probably. <laughs> idiot. We'll probably, we'll probably do that. So, yeah. But. Well, I think for this being one of the two least favorite book and movies for us, that we did a pretty good job of giving info and. And yeah, I think we letting our listeners, yeah, letting our <laughs> listeners know what we really think about it. Um, Granted, okay, you guys gotta understand, we do still like it. Okay, yes, we're not saying we don't like this book or movie. We just don't love it as much as the others. Yes. Um, before we finish up, I did want to mention something that came out recently, after our first Harry Potter episode and before this one. There's a new video game named Hogwarts Legacy. What I really want to play, but I have the wrong gaming console, so I can't play it. Loser. Um, I don't play video games, so yeah. You would probably play this one. I do want to. I, um, I do want to check this out, though. But it looks so cool. It's like I don't know how many years before the actual Harry Potter story, mm-hmm. but it's another like era, I guess you can call it. I think it. it's even before the Fantastic Beasts era. It may or be. Or after. I'm it's not either sure. before or after it. I don't remember. Um, but it just looks so cool, and it's. It's got a sort of like open world feel to it, mm-hmm. to where most video games, it's like they have a story, it's a linear game, you, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, this, it's more open where you can kind of, you know, go your own way. You can create your character how you want. You can build certain type of techniques and do all this. Mm-hmm. And I saw something today. <laughs> so, in this, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's actually the mom from the Weasley family. But it's a woman, Weasley, that is a professor. It, it's this guy who's playing the character and it said that the Weasley said something to him that pissed him off. And he's sitting there just slinging <laughs> just charms at the professor in oh the middle God. of everything. He, he's just slinging him, throwing her up in the air, hitting her on the ground, just random things. And it's just so funny, all the memes that I've seen lately. Of people like saying me playing Hogwarts Legacy, and it's just like someone with a stick, and then there's just a huge green flash, <laughs> <laughs> saying the first thing you're gonna do is go kill someone in Harry Potter. <laughs> nice. Um, so I just wanted to mention something. If anybody has played it, let us know how it is. Please let me know if I need to spend five hundred dollars on a new gaming I don't station think to your play wife it. Would like that. <sighs> I know. I won't tell her, but, you know. I know. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I doubt it's going to happen, but we'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> Anybody got a PlayStation Troy can borrow? Please. Actually, I do know someone who has an extra PlayStation I might be able to borrow. Yeah, there you it's go. not the newest one, but it's a PlayStation. Anyways. There you go. Um, oh, now I hit myself on the head. Huh, see? Um, so I think that wraps it up for Harry Potter today. I really yes. appreciate it. Everyone that's listening, yes. again, give us those comments. Let us know what you think of what future episodes... If you've Definitely. had that game, and let us know. And we will have the next up- Harry Potter episode in like five more episodes. Yeah, I think we're so, going to do it every five just to kind of keep like it that. keep a routine for it. But, yeah. Jen, next week it's going to be not... I'm not, not, not going to say not fun, but it's no. not going to be as lively as this one. It is going to be a little more of a serious topic. What do we have? Um, it's going to be a little more of a sensitive topic. We are going to dive into mental health. Um, it is something that I am a very, very big advocate for, um, very big supporter of. 
So it was one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast to begin with was to talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it has been such a quiet and taboo topic for so long and it needs to be brought out more in the open. Yeah. And I want to talk about it more. So we're going to do that next week. I'm super excited about it. Um, But I do kind of want to give a disclaimer now, and I will do it again at the beginning of next week's episode as well. Let me add something before your disclaimer. We're not professionals. Oh, well, that's part of the disclaimer (laughs) as well. I figured you were going to say it, but I wanted to throw it out (laughs) myself that I am not a professional. No, we are not professionals whatsoever. We are just two. We are a brother and sister talking about... Our own experiences, our own opinions, our own feelings, questions, questions, that kind of thing. But just as an FYI for you guys, there could be possible triggers on the episode for anyone battling with any kind of mental health, I don't want to say issue, but struggle, Um, like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, self-harm, and or suicidal thoughts. But please, you guys, remember that no matter what, you are not alone. Yes, you are um, not. There's you, always going to be someone here. If you need help, please reach out. There's always someone to help. You can reach one of us through our website or our social media sites, which will be linked on the episode posting. Or you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or if you're in the U.S., you can call 988, and it will redirect you to the Lifeline Network. Yeah, and again, we're going to reiterate this multiple times, especially with this episode coming up. But please, like she said, you're not alone. I've been there myself. Reach out, talk, just try something before some, before it gets too far yes but i'm super excited for this episode though like i said um i think it's gonna be a really really good one uh, so. it might be a little eye-opening for me so i'm excited to kind yes. of see and, and, and see a different and side honestly i'm kind of excited to open your eyes to it <laughs> <laughs> i really am i'm not gonna lie yeah so but yeah so that's it um can't mm-hmm. wait for that and yeah. thank you guys for tonight man yeah. everyone again thanks for listening thanks for staying with us and we will talk to you next time. All right. We'll see you guys. The boy who lived has come to die. <laughs>